Welcome to the Board Game Battles Podcast, episode 15. This episode, we're going to be discussing two uh, space-themed games that you use dice for action selection and world building and uh, technology building. We're going to be discussing Roll for the Galaxy versus Tiny Epic Galaxy. Afterwards, we're going to have a bit of a Imperial Assault discussion. There hasn't been a lot happening on the Fantasy Flight side, but we will be able to discuss the new map that's entered rotation just recently. And then we'll also talk a bit about our campaign that's currently going on. Uh, we've been playing a little bit more of it, so there'll be something to discuss there. But let's just go right into it. So first we're going to start with Roll for the Galaxy. It was released in 2014, uh, distributed by uh, Rio Grande Games in North America, uh, but also by Pegasus Spiel, uh, Crowd Games, Game Factory Publishing, and Jai Gigamic. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce that. Why not? Yeah, sure. It'll work. Uh, designers, uh, Wei Hua Huang, if I'm even close on that, and Thomas Lehman. For Wei Hua, this is the main thing that he's designed. If you look at his uh, credentials, um, it's basically Roll for the Galaxy and uh, something else I think was called Boolean Dice or, or something like that. But uh, Thomas Lehman, who's been in the, uh, the game quite a while, um, has been involved in quite a few um, big names. Obviously, along with Roll for the Galaxy, he's also done Race for the Galaxy and its expansions. Rolling Empires, I believe, is one of his. He also has done um, uh, work on various pandemic um, games and expansions. I don't believe he designed the original pandemic game, and I could be wrong on that, but I didn't see it in his list. Oh, Matt Leacock was the original right. um designer on Pandemic, but Thomas Lehman was involved in a lot of the expansions and uh, the other versions of Pandemic as well. So he's uh, he's been pretty busy, so he uh, he does quite a bit, which is, uh, which is good. He, um, so he has a good pedigree behind him. Uh, BGG ranking is uh, 7.8 out of 15,000 ratings. It uh, plays 2 to 5 players. Mechanisms listed are deck slash pool building, dice rolling, simultaneous action selection, variable phase order, and variable player powers. And it's also you know, considered a civilization building, dice building kind of game. Artists are, uh, there's Martin Hoffman, Klaus Stefan, and Mirko Suzuki. I think that's the majority of it for that. Going through the standard things here, uh, the rule book. If you're familiar with Race for the Galaxy, if you ever played the card version, then this rule book won't be... Um, much of a, um, a shock to you. Um, very similar. It's a totally, totally gray background with uh, black text on it, and then they have um, they have good pictures throughout it. So you know it's a it's well laid out. But I was just saying, personally, if um, if you're just getting into a game like this, it does look a little intimidating um, when you're going through it. You know, there's a lot of text to read. But what really will probably hurt it for that is the symbology. Just like in um, Race for the Galaxy, which is the totally card version of the game, everything is symbols, and you have to know what those symbols mean. Now, it's a little bit clearer in uh, in this version, in the dice version, um, because there's a lot of um, hints to what each symbol does, especially like on the little player boards and such. Um, each symbol has the description underneath it. 
which when you're playing Race for the Galaxy, the card version of the game, uh, there isn't a lot of hints within that game, uh, probably because the cards are standard player si- playing hand-sized cards. They can only put so much on a card without making it overly busy, and they're pretty busy as it is. So it makes I think it makes it a little bit worse in the card version, whereas in the dice version, it's a little bit easier to give more hints, and um, everybody every uh, player also gets a good uh, screen for uh, hiding their dice, which lays things out for you as well. But just going through the rule book. It's pretty busy, there's a lot to it, and it can be a little bit of intimidating, even though the game itself, uh, once you start playing it, is fairly straightforward. Um, but it's, it's a good designed rule book. Um, there's no real problems with it. I, 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 don't, I haven't found any kind of, you know, not that I look closely for grammatical errors, but you know, usually they jump out at you when you find them, and I hadn't really noticed anything like that in here. So it's a fairly, well, fairly nicely done. Uh, components. Um, again, really well... Um, Really good components. Uh, the cardboard, like when you basically what the components are, are dice and tiles. Uh, so the tiles represent worlds and technologies that you can build, and the dice are um, the actions that you'll be rolling to um, choose your your what you're going to be doing each turn. So the dice are, are smaller dice. There's multiple colors. Each color represents a different type of die. White is your uh, home die, they call it, which is the basic die you'll start with. Uh, there's red, which is military. Purple, which they call consumption. Blue for novelty. Brown for rare elements. Green for genes. And yellow for alien technology. Those are the different colors of dice. And each uh, player screen that everyone has lists what sides can be found on each die. So the white die... It has um, on each there's six sides, obviously, because it's a, a standard D6 size. Uh, the white die has two, and these will mean more once we start getting into um, the different, uh, what you know, how you play the game. But um, it has two die faces for explore, uh, one die face for develop, one for settle, one for produce, and then one for shipping. And then... The rest of the die um, dice have um, different combinations of those symbols, and then the different color ones also have what's called a wild side. It'll be like a star, which can be used towards anything. But the dice, again, really nicely um, designed. They're small. They're they're produced well, so they're um, sometimes the smaller dice can have um, manufacturing problems. These ones, at least, we didn't run across any. The tiles are thick cardboard. They're double sided. Um, each tile will have a world on one side and a technology on the other. And they're kind of a linen finish, so they're really uh, nicely done. Uh, the box itself has a nice little linen finish on it, um, um, so it's it's fairly hardy. It's a good quality box. The rest of the cardboard that's in the game, uh, you get some player boards that you uh, keep in front of you, um, and a little dice board for uh, arranging your dice actions and a little screen. Uh, those are cardboard as well, thinner cardboard, so they're not maybe quite as sturdy, but they they hold up all right um, for all the times I've played the game. Having any problems with any of those components um, breaking apart or anything or, yeah, they, or getting too worn? They, they don't get shuffled or anything like that, so yeah. you know, they, they essentially just sit on the table. That's right. Yeah, they just sit on the table. You interact with them a bit. And um, that's about it. So even though it's thinner cardboard, it, it lasts. It, it's not too bad. 
Um, so now we'll get into the rules, the, play, the gameplay of this game. Um, everybody has, like I said, their own little, um, two different little playing boards. A larger one that's open for everybody to see. It's sort of the, um, the, the game, it's the board where you're sort of arranging uh, your dice as you use them. They'll go into a, the civilization pool. Um, there's the, uh, the queue for what you're building either technologies or worlds that you're settling. And that's the main thing. And then there's a little track for keeping track of how much uh, money you have in your, um, uh, that you have to spend. And then there's a smaller little uh, dice board, which will usually be behind your screen when you're um, setting up your actions. And it has a space for each of the, um, each of the um, five symbols. And plus there's one additional above the, above the dice symbols There's one additional little area where it's sort of, uh, what they call a... Um, uh, where okay. you take any two Reassign. dice and convert it into one? Yeah. Dictate. So, uh, yeah, it dictate. Um, <clears throat> at the top of the uh, little dice reference board that you're using to track all your dice or how you're going to move your actions is a little action you can do called dictate, and it's used to reassign a die. Um, so you take one die, add it up there, and then it's, you take another die and change its side. So essentially how the game works, everybody will start with a certain number of dice. Everyone starts with a home world and a faction. The home world would be a standard square um, tile. All the tiles are typically square. And each tile will have, um, um, each starting tile for a home world will have, you know, it'll, it'll tell you the type of world it is. It'll, it may or may not have a color associated with the world, which which will in the future come down to if or it can be, um, create resources or not. And it'll have a little thing at the bottom telling you that you either, you potentially get a dice, which could either go right into your dice cup to use right away at the beginning of the game, or it might give you a dice into your civilization, which you'll have to purchase later on to put it into your cup so you can use it. So you'll start with a home world. You'll start with a faction. The faction is like two squared tiles put together, so it's a rectangular tile. Again, it will potentially give you more dice or give you a special abilities you'll be able to use um, during the game, maybe during different phases. Um, and so you'll start the game with three standard white dice in your cup and two white dice in your civilization that can be purchased later and potentially any other dice that your starting world and faction will give you. You'll take those dice, roll them behind your screen, and then sort them by their... what bases have come up. You'll place them along your um, your dice selection little placemat or whatever that's behind your screen with you. And then you decide, you know, what action you really want to take. So the different, as I mentioned before, the different actions were, so the, first, the action is explore, where you can take a die if that's being used for explore to reach into a bag and grab a tile for that dice to um, use to add to your cues for either building or settling, uh, developing or settling. The second thing you can do with Explorer is if you don't want to grab a tile, you can use that die to get yourself two dollars on your on your uh, money track, which are the money tracks only used for recruiting dice at the end of every turn to go back into your cup. So spent dice require cash. So Explorer has those two options: scout and stock. Scout to get more tiles stock to get more money develop so if you have a dice with the develop symbol it's used for 
any technologies that you're working on in your in your tile queue. And like I said, there's two different queues. Um, develop is used for technologies, which will give you special abilities. Uh, settle is for settling planets. Um, so that symbol is used. Any dice that you put in your settle um, action space uh, will be used for colonizing any planets that you have in that in your planet queue. Produce lets you take that die that you have under produce and add it to one of your worlds that can hold goods that don't already have a good. So each colored world of the main colors, which are um, actually I should say of the colors that can generate resources, and there's only four of those colors, uh, blue for novelty, brown for rare, green for genes, and yellow for alien technologies. Those are the four worlds that can generate goods. So if you um, do a develop phase, then you can take one of your dice, and it doesn't matter the color of the die, and add it to one of your worlds that you have that can support having, you know, producing goods. After producing is shipping, and that's generally why you want to do producing is to do a shipping phase. Shipping has two different actions. When you do a ship, you can either take a die from a world that has a has a good on it, and use that die to gain um, cash on your cash track for purchasing more dice. And the amount of cash you get is dependent on the world that you're um, shipping the good from. If it's a blue world, you get three dollars. A brown world will give you four dollars. A green world will give you five, and a yellow world will give you six. Um, and it's regardless of the color of the die that was used to um, represent the good. So it's just based on the color of the world, and that's it. Uh, the second thing you can do with shipping is if you want to, if you don't want to want any cash, you can do what's called consume, and this is how you get additional victory points. Uh, so there's all these different, uh, depending on the number of players in the game, there'll be a little pool of victory points in the middle of the table. And whenever you do a, a consume action for shipping, you will get a victory point. Um, just for, for doing shipping, you'll get a victory point. Now, if colors start to match, you can get additional victory points. So if it's a brown world, and this is regardless of the color of the world, it's just as long as all the colors match, you can get points. So if it's a brown world and you happen to have a brown dice representing the good, then you'll get an additional victory point. And if it's a brown die that's doing the shipping, you'll get another additional victory point. So you can get between one and three victory points when you do a consume action. Yeah, so that's what the different actions do when you assign a dice to them. Uh, now, that you won't necessarily get to do all those actions in a turn because what's happening is everyone's setting up their little dice board in secret and revealing at the same time. And only actions that have been locked in by players will happen and how you lock an action in is when you ro ro roll all your dice you sort them by their symbol you choose one action that you really want to do and you take one of those dice and it doesn't even matter if the symbol on the die matches the action you can just take any of your dice and put it right on the dice board on the action space that you want to do for sure and that locks that action in and allows you to do it. So even if the symbol on the die doesn't match, it'll lock it in and let you do it no matter what. And any dice that are below that action um, will happen as well. So if you lock in an action and you have additional dice assigned to it because you know that do match the, uh, the facing, then those will happen. Um, and what happens is once everybody's arranged their dice, they locked in one action and put the rest of their dice underneath the board in the appropriate spots, everyone reveals... And only the actions that were locked in by all the players 
will will happen. So it's a two to five player game. Um, I think in a two player game, there's also a, a whatever you call it a, a third action that can happen that'll get locked in automatically. But from a three to five players, only actions that those players have chosen will happen. So as long as people have chosen different actions, you'll have the ability to do additional actions. But um, there may be dice that you roll that nobody's locked in that won't get used. And in those cases, if you have a like a category, say you have Explore, but you didn't lock it in and you have some dice underneath Explore and nobody chose Explore, those Explore dice will just go back into your cup and you'll use them next turn. So once you've determined what actions are locked in and what dice you're still using, then you go through the different actions in order, starting with Explore, then Develop, then Settle, then Produce, and then finally Shipping, and everybody performs those actions at the same time. So let's say it was a simultaneous action game. So once you, once everyone's done the first action, then you move on to the second. Uh, there's very little interaction between players. Um, it's mostly like in, during the explore phase, each per, each person who's doing explore and wants to reach into the bag sort of has to go in turn. So you you sort of have to do a bit of a turn order in that way. But you know, otherwise, you know, there's no yeah, there's no other real interaction with players at all. So when you do a develop, you're taking all the dice that were assigned to develop adding them to the develop tile that's on your on your develop queue and each tile will have a number that's in the top corner telling you how many dice you need to build it or settle it and once you hit the number of dice required you put it out on your play area your tableau and the dice go back into your civilization and then you'll spend money at the end of the turn to take any dice you want to get them back into your cup and you have to spend you have to buy as many dice as you can. So if you have seven dollars um, in your uh, on your track, and you have um, seven dice available to be purchased, then you have to purchase all seven. You can't just purchase some and, and leave some behind if you if you have the money. And you always have at least one dollar. So on the on the dollar track, once you hit zero, there's a little arrow indicating that you automatically go back to one. So you always have at least one dollar. And the way to get more dollars is to use either the explore action to use a die to get $2 or to do the shipping to get money based on shipping goods. So the, that's how the game essentially plays out. You Everybody's selecting actions and performing those actions in order. The first player to hit 12 um, tiles in their tableau, including their um, starting world and faction, which by themselves count as three. So it's as soon as somebody builds an additional nine tiles in their tableau, uh, that'll trigger the end of the game. And I don't remember, do we have to... We finish number of rounds, or does that just end automatically? No, that's when everyone gets to finish the last, the last round. round. Yeah, so it depends on who triggered it. It could end right away, or it could... Um, some, a few people may get additional actions. The only thing I didn't really describe is tiles have quite often have special abilities, which will trigger during different stages. So quite often there'll be like a ship ability. So if, if, if the shipping phase happens and you have a tile that says during the shipping phase, um, th- you can get this. You can maybe get a dollar. Or every time you ship a certain type of goods, you'll get additional money or whatever. So quite often tiles will have, and usually these are the developmental tiles, like the, um, the technology ones, which will give you these special abilities. Um, they'll trigger. You don't always have to be doing the action yourself. Just as long as the action is happening during the round, you'll be able to do it as you know, use that special ability on your tile. It'll usually give you some kind of indication 
whether or not you have to do it as well for it to trigger. The the purple dye is sort of a wild dye. It can be um, it can be re- used to represent any color of dye. So even during shipping goods for uh, consumption for points, the purple dye can be substituted in for any color and still get you the additional points. I think that's essentially it. The um, so once once the twelfth uh, tile has been built by somebody and then the game ends, you add up points based on the value of every tile that you have. Some tiles will have a, like there's some special technologies which are six cost technologies that usually have additional points that could be scored at the end of the game uh, based on different conditions. You know sometimes it's the number of a certain color of dice that you have in your um, available to you that you've purchased in, throughout the game. You can get additional points for that. It could be based on the number of worlds you have. It could be a lot of different things. So if you have a six-cost technology tile, um, there'll be usually additional points for that. Um, otherwise, that's essentially it. Yeah, that's the that's the gist. That's the gist for Roll for the Galaxy. And if you played Race for the Galaxy, it does you know feel very similar. Uh, in Race for the Galaxy, it's it's using cards instead of dice. Cards have multiple uses. They're the worlds you're recruiting or the technologies you're building, plus they're the currency you're using, and they're the um, and that's essentially it. But in this one, it's all dice, which is which is nice. It's a loud game, so if you're playing in a, an area that you want to be quiet in, this may not be the game for you. Um, if you're playing it in a big hall, you know, with a ton of other gamers, and it probably won't matter. It'll get, get drowned out. But it uh, it is a it's a fairly loud game. So what do you guys think? Loved it. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I, I think one of the nicest things of the game is is really the dice. Um, I know from our uh, Dice Masters episode, one of my biggest complaints with, with Dice Masters was the uh, quality of dice that WizKids was putting out. Right, yeah. Um, there was so many inconsistencies in their dice and, and flaws in um, in the printing. But uh, Roll for the Galaxy, the, the dice are so consistent. They're smaller, in fact, which you'd think maybe would make it harder. Yeah, maybe to to provide that kind of um, quality, but these are also I, I'm pretty sure these these dice the the faces on them are silk screened instead of uh, stamped and and then filled in with something. Right, that uh, WizKids use. But these these are so much nicer. Um, yeah, are they silk screened? Yeah, I guess they are. Yeah, definitely silk screened. Don't ever question me. I no. question everything. <laughs> um, Outside of that, uh, I know you brought this up a, a bit earlier. It can be intimidating your first playthrough of this or, mm-hmm. or reading through the the material. Um, it's it's very color and icon focused, and um, it, yeah, if you're not used to that, it was so confusing the first the first go through. Right. But uh, almost literally after, you know, like like into the first play. Yeah. You know, you've just got it. Right. And and um, you you might spend a little bit longer. Um, you know, you know, looking at the back of your of your player screen, looking at the descriptions, mm-hmm. and and you know, oh, what does that that uh, icon mean again? But um, the the player screen is is so handy and so well laid out, and and um, yeah, like all all the information I think that you need to to play is behind that screen. Yeah, and I will give them props. The um, even though this is a very color centric game. Like there's all these different dice, all these different colors. Um, they did mitigate some of the problems that can come with color blindness fairly well. Um, like 
the dice themselves don't have much other than each die um, has different faces. So if you're ever not sure, you know, if you have problems with color, you could look at what faces are on the die and match it up with the table and you'll know what it is. Uh, when it comes to the worlds uh, that you're recruiting, um, the, I think the, the main ones are that people typically have trouble with are uh, brown and green. They've, uh, the brown world is you know typical. It just looks like a regular, has a regular world on it. It's, it's filled in with brown. Green, on the other hand, has a little dot next to it. So you'll know that it's different just because it has that dot. So you'll know that's the green world. I don't know if people have, you know, if there's other issues with color, but like I think blue and yellow, they're just standard. They're just a world that's sort of colored in with the appropriate color. It's just they make the distinction with blue and green, which I think is the more typical problem for people with color blindness. I'm well, not sure which the, one's more, more the pervasive. The dye themselves to the production, like the goods aspect of it. They yeah. have the... Oh, that's right. Of the goods colored in, so that you know which which one it is. One yeah. it is. Yeah. So on your on your player board or on your screen at the top of your um, at the top of the right part of the screen, they have a little area for trade prices, and it shows you like a little cylinder. It's supposed to be like a barrel, and in the cylinder are four regions, um, each colored in with the appropriate color, and then it has a value. So like three for blue, four for brown, five for green, and six for yellow. Um, when you look at that, you know, you know the value of the color. But then when you look at the die, um, it has that same symbol, but then it'll be shaded in so you know where it falls on the, uh, on the, on the uh, trade prices grid. So you'll know, oh, okay, so this one matches that one, which is the blue, which is the, and you can match it up with the number of sides. So they're, yeah, they've done a pretty good job of mitigating the, you know, any problems with uh, color blindness, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, it's quite often a game will come out and they won't put any kind of thought into that. I know I have we have like one friend who has a bit of a problem with color sometimes. I think Kelsey, but you know I, we have I've run into too many people with color blindness, but I, you know they're definitely out there, and it's good that they made this this effort. So uh, no, I enjoy this game a lot too. Um, it's an easy game to bring out once you you know once you know how to play it. You know, not much, there's not much ch- changes. It's just interpreting the different tiles mm-hmm. um, and and trying to come up with some kind of um, engine and, and strategy. Yeah, and if if you have any kind of any friends that, um, you know, let's say don't don't like playing competitive games where, you know, an, a more experienced player can just start taking their stuff away from them. Right. Yeah. This this does not have that element at all. Yeah. You you very much play your own game with this. Um, you know, there's obviously some some strategy with, uh, you know, what what tiles you you know get ready to, um, you know, which, whether I'm going after a technology or I'm going after a, a new world that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or you know whether I'm going to score more points by shipping goods. Um, so you know there's there's loads of uh, um, you know good decent strategies that will get you you know end game points. But at the same time, it's not very contentious. Uh, you know I'm not I'm not you know actively trying to take something away from Randall or right Jeff, exactly. You know and and they're yeah. not trying to take my stuff away from me either. Yeah, and um, you know. The, when we were doing our testing for the the podcast, we were playing with with Marcus, and he won both games, <laughs> like usual. Yeah, like usual. Um, and it seemed to be his strategy was to get tiles out as quickly as possible. So he was going for the Whole lower points. cost Whole tiles, which um, which worked for him. It worked great. Um, I know I was it, working on some higher priced tiles, which yep. which slow things down for you when you, especially when when you have to buy back your dice. It gets to a point sometimes where if you're not shipping a good to get some money. 
you run out of money fast, and so you, you're rolling less dice, and it really slows your engine down. So you have to get that balance of getting some money so you can buy more dice and producing goods, and which will lock up dice until you either get the world settled or produce the technology. The dice is locked in until you until you finish it, or you decide, okay, I'm giving up. I'm taking those dice off of there, um, which is an option you have. But I don't think you know. I don't think that happens as often as you might think because it's a fairly short game, really. Yeah, yeah. It, it plays really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Mark's strategy it can backfire, but if I mean, he's he's a smart he's a smart yeah. dude. So all he has to do is is kind of watch what everybody else has. The the problem with with racing towards uh, triggering end game is he he could have got there first, but then he, he would have got. You know, there's possibility that he would have got less points than someone else who had half as many tiles. That's true. If so, you if you can get some of the larger tiles out there, especially ones that can give you points at the end of the game, yeah. then there's that there's that chance you take. You well, know? and if you if you're producing goods and shipping them for points, you might not have the tiles to end game, but you might yeah. be in a commanding lead. Yeah, you might have quite a few points so off to the side. There's different yeah. strategies to take. It's just his work twice. Oh yeah. And so as long as he kind of pays attention to what everybody else is doing and and is you know sort of counting their tiles, he you know he's probably going to be okay, but but um yeah, yeah, I really like this game. Yeah. And there's an expansion out for it. We didn't play with the expansion and I haven't looked too much into the expansion to see what it gives you. You have it, don't you? I have it, but I d- I'll be honest, I don't even remember if I've opened it. Yeah. Any th- any additional thoughts? No. No. Okay. Yeah, it's a th- we, like I said, even though it's a bit intimidating, it's a fairly straightforward game, so it's uh, not hard to get into once you know it. And it's you yeah, know, don't it's let easy. the rule book scare you off because don't let the rule book be, scare you off. It's yeah. actually easier if someone knows the game to explain it and just start yeah. playing, and you will pick it up so fast. You'll pick it up quick, even if you miss a few things and say, "Oh, wait, I forgot this." You know, it's something that's easy to throw in because. And I think the box says it's like a forty-five minutes to play through. I'd say that's minutes. that's closer to like a first time playthrough. It's and it might depend on number of players. Number too, of but. players, yeah. But we're playing with four, and I mm-hmm. think twenty minutes our second game took something like that. It was like yeah, it twenty to thirty minutes, extremely yep. fast. Yeah, once you know what you're doing, it's pretty quick. Yeah, no, it is. A, it's a it's a fairly simple game, and it's a good game, so uh, we like it. Okay, so now we're going to go on to Tiny Epic Galaxies. Uh, this one is, came out in 2015. is designed by Scott Alms, who you know has done all of these tiny epic little games. Um, Kingdoms, Defenders, uh, Western, and now he has coming out Quest and a few other. Um, he's also done a few other games. These aren't the only games he's done, but he tends to like working in this small box genre. Uh, Milu, I guess you could say. Um, because I also have another game for him that I hope to do in a future podcast called Harbor, um, which is not part of Tiny Epics, but it's in the same style of uh, same size of box so it's a like i said 2015 it has a, a pretty good rating of 7.4 out of 6.6 thousand ratings artists william bricker benjamin shulman uh, publishers um game on games i think is the primary publisher in north america and then there's a few others throughout uh, the world pixie games schwerkraft verlog devere i'm not even familiar with any of these ones really uh, categories it falls under dice games science fiction and space exploration exploration i should say sorry uh, mechanisms area control area influence dice rolling and variable player powers and they they classified as a 4x game and it, it you know it does sort of fit into the 4x sort of thing where you're you're exploring you're expanding um there's a 
A little bit of combat. Not a lot of combat, yeah, there's, really. there's not That's, so much extermination. Not so much extermination in this. Uh, I guess that you're not really actively attacking players. You're more um, screwing people over by colonizing their world before them, maybe. Yeah, like that's the, that's the only point of, of no, contention, really. You can steal with certain well, worlds. Yeah, you, you can, can steal like a resource. Energy. Yeah, you can steal resources. There yeah, are ways to do that rare. kind of thing. Yeah, but it and it, when it's not something that would that when it happens, it it you know lopsides the game. No, no. no. So the I guess that part of four X is maybe not as strong. Yeah, um, there's not a lot of attacking. The the rule book now because it's a small box game, you get a, a smaller rule book. But it's uh, it's nicely designed. A lot of text to it, of course, because it has to describe everything that you you, have, you need to do. But it, you know, it's it's graphically laid out quite nicely, with uh, nice graphics in there, clearly showing you what you're doing. Um, I would say there's symbology in this one as well, uh, like in Roll for the Galaxy, but not nearly as as plentiful as there is in Roll for the Galaxy. So I would say it's I would say it's less intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a, a solo play aspect to it as well that's covered in the rules have you tried that i i don't think i have yeah i haven't tried this yeah, either I, I haven't had a chance to try this solo and it's hard sometimes to you know have if you're by yourself for a while and then you say oh maybe i'll play a solo game it's hard to get in that mindset sometimes it's like oh well maybe i'll play a video game or maybe i'll watch a movie it's that's like right. uh, yeah my mind doesn't necessarily always go to hey maybe i'll try a solo game with this if i'm traveling i've done it with other games i have tried solo games like in Marvel Legendary or whatever, if I if I took it with me on a trip or something, but I haven't tried with this one yet. Uh, components they're quite nice, even though you know everything's small. You get a you get planet cards. You get like forty different planet cards in the base game, and the standard um, deck um, sized cards. You get um, five galaxy maps because it or maps I should say because it plays up to five players, so each player gets their own mat. Uh, one control mat, which everybody uh, uses throughout the game. Uh, there's seven action dice. Uh, then everybody also gets um, three ships in their color. They'll get a culture token, an energy token, and an empire token, all in their color. And then there's also secret mission cards. So at the beginning of the game, everybody gets two secret mission cards. They'll choose one and put the other one back. And that's sort of a something like a goal to... Um, go towards for the end of the game to get additional points um though you know it is possible to win the game without even really going for them but if you can get them it it can help and essentially what happens is you uh, take the planet cards shuffle them up and deal out um a number into the middle of the table based on number of players plus two unless you're playing um five players and you only get plus one so you have a total at, at the most six um, and then if you're only playing two players, you'd have like four out there or something. Everybody starts with the same uh, resources in this game. So based on your your play- galaxy mat, it's, this one little mat is how you'll keep track of your resources, the stage of your empire, using your empire token and, and your ships and that kind of thing. How, the, how it works is along the uh, right edge of the mat is a few different trackers. And depending on where your empire token is, it'll tell you what you get on the rest of the trackers that are directly in line with where your your token, your empire token is. So at the beginning of the game, everybody will start with two ships that they can use. Um, they also, everyone starts rolling the same number of dice, which I believe is three to begin with. I should double check that though. Maybe let's just open up the box. 
Well, I think it tells you here it anyways. It four, must tell you there. Yeah, I thought it was four. Is it four dice to start? Um, maybe. Because then the most you can get is seven dice. So, yeah, it might be that you start with uh, four dice. And at the very bottom will be the Empire Empire Sheets. Yeah, you start with four. Okay. Yeah, you start with four dice. Uh, four dice, two ships, and no additional points. And then on the... Uh, in the sort of the off to the center and right upper right corner or left corner of the mat is like a little your galaxy where you'll put your two starting ships it indicates a resource type that you can generate um for your galaxy and everybody starts with the same your galaxy as long as you have ships in your galaxy you can generate uh energy um, as long as there's a ship there and then circling that is your resource tracker and you have two uh, tokens that you use for, to keep track of. One is culture, and the other is energy. Everybody starts with two energy and one culture. Uh, culture is used mainly for following actions of other players, but it can also be spent for other things, um, just like energy can. And at the bottom of each player mat is a special uh, colony action. So... Um, when I describe the different um, sides of the dice, uh, one of them is a colony side, and when you do that action, you you can do whatever's at the bottom of your mat. And everybody has the same colony action, which at the beginning is just upgrading your empire. So spending resources based on what the next level of your empire is, and there's a, a track with numbers along the empire track. So you have to spend the appropriate amount of resources, and it has to be the same resource so it has to be either all energy or all culture to upgrade your empire to the next level and as you upgrade your empire um i think there's like seven or six different levels above where you start as you go up each level different things will unlock so you'll unlock more dice you can roll in the future eventually you'll unlock additional ships so there's two additional ships that you can eventually unlock to give you to use for exploring the galaxy and and um getting resources and eventually also unlocks additional points. And the very the innermost track is a little point point track which goes from I think one, two, three, five, and eight points. So when you get to the very top of your empire, you'll have earned eight points. And the point of the game is to be the first person to get to at least twenty one points. And that will trigger the the last few actions of the game. And it's the same kind of thing. Whoever triggers that people only get additional actions if they haven't gone yet in that particular churn. So if it's like the last person, so the person hits 21 is the last person to go on a particular churn, then the game's over. But it's for the first person, then the addition, everyone else will get a, one last action before it's over. And so however, how you get points is through your empire track is one way. Um, every planet that you colonize will get you additional points as well. Um, I think that's the main way. In, in this, in the base version, that's the main way you get points. And also secret missions. Your secret mission at the end. But that doesn't go towards triggering the end of the game. No. That's just for afterwards when you get additional points. So even though you may trigger the end of the game, there may be additional points that people can get that can put them you know, ahead of you, just like in, in Roll for the Galaxy. So yeah, uh, this one's a little different in that everyone's not taking simultaneous actions. It's, uh, you know, each person gets a turn. They roll however many dice they're rolling for their particular level of empire. 
Um, you do get re-rolls. Uh, you get one free re-roll, and you can roll as many dice as you want in that re-roll, and you know, keep as many as, as aside to not be rolled when you do a re-roll. And if you want additional re-rolls, you have to spend energy. And for each energy you spend, you can do another re-roll of however many dice you want during that particular re-roll. And then you start, as you're doing re-rolls and everything, you're spending dice to do actions. And there, I said there was a, a central control mat. It has a location for using active uh, activated dice. So once you put a die on, on the control mat, it can't be used for anything else. Uh, and I'll, now I'll go through the different sides of the dice. Um, the different sides are, there's six separate sides. There is move a ship, um, acquire resources, and there's a side for energy and a side for culture. There's advanced colonization, and there's two sides for that. There's one for diplomacy and one for economy. And then utilize a colony, so the colony action. And that one will be based on what actions you've acquired as you've colonized planets. So during the move a ship action, you can take a ship that's in your home galaxy or is potentially around another planet and move it to either your home galaxy or away from your home galaxy or to another planet that's out there. So like I said, in a four-player game, there'll be six planet, four or five-player game, there'll be six planets lined up out there that you can send your ships to. And when you move your ship to a planet, you have two options. You can either land on the planet, which doesn't... Um, colonize it, but it does allow you to utilize its special ability. So every planet has a special colony action at the bottom of it. Um, and so if you just land on a planet, you automatically get to do the colony action right away. And um, you can also, during an acquire resources action, if you're landed on a planet, you can get the whatever resource that planet produces. And it's either culture or energy. Uh, the other thing you can do instead of landing is to orbit the planet, and that's how you colonize it. Um, so you start on a track. Each planet is going to be different for the planet, depending on usually how many points it's worth. Like a low point planet, like a one point planet, may have one or, or may have two or maybe even three um, spots on the track for colonizing. And what you do is you place your ship on the very first spot, and if every time you spend a die for advanced colonization, and it depends on what that planet requires. Each planet will require either diplomacy or economy to colonize it. So you'll spend the appropriate type of dice and move your ship along the colonization track. And once you get to the very end of the track, you finish colonizing it, you put your ship back in your um, home galaxy, take the planet from the row and put it under your mat. And you'll see there's little lines connecting um, the colonization actions, uh, the colony actions. Um, so you'll sort of stick it underneath your mat and then when you do a colony die, where you use, utilize a colony action, you'll have more options as you've gotten more planets tucked under your mat. So you use the die, and you can choose one of the different actions you have. So yeah, um, you're either orbiting a planet or landing on it. Acquire resources lets you... So when, um, when you either roll the energy side or the culture side, if you use that die, it lets you get the appropriate resource based on where your ships are. So if your ships are in your home um, home galaxy, the only resource that you can acquire at that time is energy. So for every ship you have there, you'll get energy on your energy track. Uh, the different planets will either will all either produce energy or culture. And if you have a ship orbiting or landed on a particular planet, 
you'll get the appropriate resource on your track uh, when you do an acquire resource action. Uh, and for the acquire resources, the most because of the there's the limit of your um, on your home uh, mat, the most you could ever have is seven of any resource. Any additional is lost. And again, as I said, the advanced colonization action is for colonizing planets that are that are orbiting. So if you have a ship orbiting a planet, that's how you colonize it, and then use, utilize the colony. So there's six different sides of dice. Um, after spending energy and doing all these different rerolls, if you still don't have what you need, you can. There's a converter on the uh, control um, card, and you can take two dice to turn a third dice into any side you want. So basically, you're using three dice to get the action you really need. Uh, so that's one thing you can always do as well. Um, and there's a, I mentioned there's a thing called following other players' actions. So whenever somebody uses an action die and places it on the control mat, the other players have a chance to try and follow that action and do it as well. But the only way you can do it is if you have culture on your in your resources. So if somebody does an action you want to follow, you spend one culture and then you can do it as well. And as long as you have culture, you can keep following other players' actions. Yeah, and that's a. I think that's essentially it. That's you're you're advancing on your on your empire to gain more dice and more points and more ships. You're colonizing ship um, planets, which will give you points based on based on the planet. The higher point planets will take longer to colonize, so they'll have bigger tracks, which will you'll, you'll be stuck there for a little while. Sometimes you can always leave a planet. Um, if if you if it's a lost cause you think or you you want to try to, if you, another planet comes out that you really want to get you can move your ship from one planet to another planet but then you're starting all over again on that new planet sometimes there's colony actions which will let you mitigate some of that so sometimes you can jump from planet to planet and not lose your lose your uh, position on the track if you have a particular colony action that lets you do it so the colony actions can give you a lot of special powers that can really affect the game um for people uh, but that's essentially it um, as soon as somebody hits 21 points you finish out that churn reveal your secret missions add up all your points and determine who the winner is yeah and so that's tiny epic galaxies so that was the second game we played um we played a couple games of that marcus won both uh-huh. <laughs> <sighs> and it wasn't even close that the first game it was like he got to 21 points and i think there was a couple of us at 15, and then I think I was back at a few points below. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that kid. Yeah. <clears throat> Stole his father's dice luck. I think so. Yeah, that's the thing with dice games, too, because you're really... Um, there's a bit of luck. There's always luck involved. But at least these both these games sort of have some ways of mitigating that luck. Mm-hmm. Well, for the Galaxy, it's you get to lock in the action you really want to do regardless if you have... Uh, the dice for that action, if you rolled enough dice for it or or whatever. Um, this one, it's you can, con- you know, you get the re-rolls or you can really, if you have to, convert dice using the uh, the convert action to get a, an action you really need, like a, a die face you really need. Well, it's, it's less harsh in roll for the galaxy for the mitigation aspect. Yeah. Because you have the option of using any dice to secure... The action you and need. the action you need, and yeah. then you have the dictate, which allows you to use one dice to switch another dice. So if you really need to do two actions in something, right, you can do that. Yeah, you can lock in with one die that doesn't match it, and you can take two other dice that don't match to, yeah. Where Epic Galaxies, you're you're looking at 
especially when you start, if you're only rolling four dice, you need to spend three to guarantee one action. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. But so, then they give you rerolls. They give you rerolls. You can spend as long as you have energy, you can spend it to get rerolls. Um, well, but it can be tough, especially when you're doing when when every die face only has one for a six out of die. If it's a particular die face you're looking for, you could be. Rolling if you want a lot. to advance <laughs> economy and you just can't roll economy, it just hurts. Yep. yep, that's true. Yeah, you can you can waste like every last bit of energy you have trying to get that roll, and it never come up. Yeah. Yep. No. Absolutely, but um, it's still a fun game. I I, I enjoy playing it. Um, and even in space form, we did um, play a, a game of, with the expansion. Um, Which I uh, thought was really good too. Yeah, I enjoyed the expansion. It did make it, it longer. It yep. made it, it did made it definitely made it longer. Um, we're not going to refer to the expansion as far as. The expansion is not going to play into how we determine which one we prefer. No. Um, but just to give some lip service to it, it adds a few things to it. Um, it gives you different types of ships. So every, you start with the same, same standard ships as normal, uh, but you have the ability to recruit pilots. And the pilots will come along with different types of ships that you can use. Um, and based on the pilot, um, it'll, it'll give you special abilities. Like sometimes a ship will be faster. It'll be able to go from, you know, one area to another in the same turn. Um, there's a, there's an exploration area where it's like you go to this one spe- special area of space that you um, send your ship to and it lets you draw an exploration card. And then that card could, it could just be some symbols that you can use for points at the end of the game. It could be, um, it could be a bad thing. Sometimes it'll be like a black hole that'll lock your ship in there until you, uh, finish colonizing that black hole and then, then you'll get it for a point at the end of the game. It could be a dwarf star which will give you a point at the end of the game. So there's a lot of little ways to get points based on this um, based on the expansion that get added in. Like each pilot is also worth points. You can and you can have up to four pilots. Um, you can actually recruit more than four pilots but you can ever, only ever have four special ships at, a, at most at a time. And you have to have unlocked additional ships in your empire before you can get additional pilots so at the most at the beginning you only ever get two special ships um but as soon as you unlock more ships in your empire then you can get additional pilots and each pilot's worth usually at least a point i think i can't remember if they're worth more than that or not well they they're worth a point and then they also gave badges for after right scoring yeah there's these special the badges in the expansion that when you get like a Whoever has the most of a particular badge will gain additional points, and whoever has second most will gain some points as well. So it adds to the extra scoring, sort of like the secret missions. So you still have the secret missions, but then you also have badges, which add to end game scoring, which will make things a little bit more, you know, uh, unsure, I guess you could say, because you might trigger end of game, but you may not know if you have the most of certain badges for additional points. So it can really change the point outcome at the end. I liked what the expansion added overall but i did not like how easy it was to get culture yeah expansion because the special exploration area um when you're doing a resource allocation it its thing was culture so if you had ships in that area and you go to acquire culture then you'll get a lot of culture Um, it felt like in the original game that they really kept culture mitigated because of the power of spending it to follow anyone's action out of sequence Mm -hmm. and in this one it just seem that you could just keep culture up high and you could follow if you went there and spent culture it gave you the ability to follow your other opponents as they did their turns mm-hmm. so it you advanced quicker on your 
civilization I found as well because of that. Yeah. Like, yeah, so, yeah, there was a lot more following because there was more culture. It seemed like there was yeah, a lot more culture. And that was, we only did one playthrough of it. So it's hard to tell if it was us mostly going for the new stuff because it was new than it was as, okay, but once we've gotten we, a few plays in. You reached much higher point score than the original game, true. like yep. the unexpanded game. And there was a lot less colonization going on. Yeah, because the planets stayed out longer because, yeah, we're going out checking, you know, we're doing a lot more exploring than we might have done before. Because, um, well, if anyone yeah. did explore, like, if if someone didn't explore, they didn't have their ships to gain culture. Yeah. And if they were advancing on planet tracks, all anybody needed to do was get culture and put one ship on a planet to colonize. And yeah. they could follow everybody else on it. Yeah. So if you did an economy action, I'm on an economy planet, I just spend culture to go up it. And I never had to worry about rolling economy necessarily. Right. So it did change the strategy. Mm-hmm. It, again, it, it's not a complete negative. It's just... It does change the way the game plays. It does, yeah. It changes the game quite a bit. Yeah. But I did, like, I really like the pilots and yeah. the special ships. The pilots and special ships are neat. And they have different, um, uh, each special ship has a, a unique shape that may or may not match ships that, you know, from pop culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Enterprise and Voyager. Voyager. Um, what else was there? There was one that, it looked familiar to me, but I wasn't sure what it looked like. It was the one that was closer to the original ships? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, there's that. Well, that one. Yeah, that one. Um, it's it's a, it's hard to explain what it looks like. It's it's sort of a big middle section with two long. It almost looks like a, it could be another type of, um, like a Star Trek's um, themed ship. It's just I'm not sure what, what was, it might be. What was the little alien one? You guys had to for that one there. I don't remember. Oh, that one too. Is it like a Klingon ship or something that you guys were saying it was like? Maybe. Yeah, it's hard yeah, I to say. I, I think they're all based on somewhat on, on Star Trek themes, so you probably recognize them better than we would. Yeah, Loosely, of course. Loosely. Oh, any... very loosely, yeah. It's not identical or anything, but you see these and say, like, oh, hey, look, it sort of looks like this. So, it, it, But it's nice. It gives you those four different ships that you can... Uh, and the way you get ships is spending dice. So when you recruit a pilot, there's four different types of pilots you can recruit. And how it is, is like, you get a, in the expansion, I'll just give some quick lip service to this, you get a special um, shipboard that goes beside your galaxy map, and it has four locations on it, and for, for each different type of ship. And each ship will have, like, you, you'll either take two, um, uh, two movement to recruit that ship, or for a, to get a pilot for that ship, it could take two um, culture or, or two resources either culture or energy to get that ship two um, colony action dice to get that ship. And then two call um, two colonization dice of diplomacy or economics to get another ship. And so you take two dice and then take a pilot that can work with the ship. And each pilot will tell you what type of ship they can pilot. Like then there's four different types of ships. So they'll have symbols showing, okay, this it's good for the, the culture ship or it's good for the, uh, movement ship or, or whatever and then you'll take that pilot put it on in the corner of the board showing that it's piloting that ship take a regular ship put it on top of the pilot and then take the special ship and put it out in space and use it like normal and then the pilot will tell you what special actions you'll get with that ship while they're piloting it so it yeah it, it adds it adds definitely adds stuff to it 
Um, it also comes with a mini expansion as well. Like the main game came with a mini expansion that I've never actually played. It has to do with satellites. Um, and then this expansion also comes with a mini expansion um, that has to do with these little drones that you can get that sort of, I don't know, they, they interact with your pilots in some way. So I haven't, I haven't read the rules on them yet. But somehow they interact with your pilots to give you additional points. So you get these little extra mini expansions, which is nice if you're into that kind of thing. I have, I'm, but I just haven't tried them yet myself. So one of these days we'll try them. Well, I guess you say there's there's also a, a mini expansion for the just the tiny epic galaxy. Yeah, that's the the one with the, the satellites, satellites yeah. and, and super weapons or something like that. Yeah, we didn't play with that either. Yeah, we haven't played with that yet <laughs> either. So I don't know, you know, how that make that might be. It'll be something to try because I. Yeah, I've got it. Might as well try it one of these days. One of these days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's essentially the two games. Um, Tiny Epic Galaxies and Roll for the Galaxy. Well, one thing I wanted to say oh, about, the, about the Tiny Epic Galaxies was um, I, I did have a less than uh, enjoyable experience with this playing at two-player. Okay. Um, yeah, I've, I've never I, actually played I two-player. I really think that with this one, you know, it's it's uh, geared for, for uh, one to five players. I really think four to five is, is the sweet spot for mm-hmm. it. Um, when we were playing with two players, my, my opponent, you know, through, through whatever, you know, planetary acquisitions he got, he, he was able to maintain a really high number of, of, uh, diplomacy constantly. Like culture? Or sorry, culture. That right. Yeah. And, and so every single turn of mine where I tried to colonize, he simply followed. Mm-hmm. And then on his turn, he would, he would, you know, spend some of his dice to essentially steal that planet out from under me. Right. So I, any time I was trying to colonize, I was wasting every single die trying to do that, because he, seeing that I was going for that planet, he would just land a, land a ship there, follow me, and then on his turn take it. If you if you weren't able to do it, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was just it was horrible. Like, it was just a <laughs> complete waste of time playing that game. And that's if if one, um, and that's can be the disparity if one person can get a lot of culture and the yeah. other person can't. Yeah. Like if, if yeah, but but at least you know even in that case, had had he been in the same spot, but we were playing a five player game. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to spread that around. Right. You know, he's going to, you know, maybe... He's probably going to follow other people's actions. Yeah, he's going to hold on to yeah. some of his, uh, you know, some of his culture so that he can follow other people's actions. But, right. you know, in in the game we're playing, I'm the only one he can possibly follow. So right. So it's a waste if he doesn't use it. Yeah. Um, so and that's with, yeah. with this game, there's a lot more interaction than Roll for the Galaxy. Where Roll for the yep. Galaxy is very much a solo game that... You play you, with people. Yep. You play with people, yeah. And you're, in, and you're sort of dependent on what those people want to do for actions as well. Mm-hmm. So this one, it's more definitely more in-your-face competition. Yeah, yes. you, you steal from other people. You are trying to colonize planets before other people can get them. Exactly. Yeah, you're trying to hang people up on planets. Yeah, and, and a lot of that. Turns. I think we we saw that when we played it um, um, at mission the one time. We you know we played a five-player game, and you know there's there was a bit more smack talking and. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, with that, the ability to to influence what other people are doing. Uh, I remember uh, one of our one of our players, you know, was smack talking someone else, and uh, and and I, you know, I was the next person to play, and so I just used some of my, you know, my planetary abilities to regress a couple of his ships and <laughs> keep him from, you know, from winning. So there's a lot more of that. There's a lot more of a, yeah. you know, take this kind of <laughs> exactly kind of which can be really fun but yeah but and yeah. and that's the thing with these two games that like that whole one is a lot more interactive and one's a lot more solo that makes it t- hard to, for me to choose which i prefer yeah the different like i, I sort of flip-flop because I, I like roll for the galaxy 
because of the uh, you know all the different things you can do with it with with all the different dice and and everything. But I really like Tiny Epic as well because yeah, there's a lot more interaction between players. Even though in the base game, it's a lot more basic. You know, you, you basically just have planets out there that you're going and colonizing. But then you got the different actions of the planets that can really affect things depending on how they come out and you know if you can if you can use those actions. So that's why I have a, a, a harder time choosing between these two. Yeah, I think with with Epic Galaxies too, because you're not, uh, it's not simultaneous play. Uh, you know, you know, once my turn is done, things can change very rapidly. Right. You know, so you know, I I take my turn, and and you know, the world, is, the universe is a certain way, and then Randall takes his turn, and things shift, and and during Randall's turn, Jeff follows him, and and that's shifted even more. So by the mm-hmm. time it, you know, whatever strategy I might have in mind, by the time it gets around the table back to me, you know. I think you're constantly having to to sort of redraw your your strategy as as the turn progresses, just because so much is going to change. So much has changed, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, in whereas in the role for the galaxy, everyone's doing really, the same thing at the same time. Kind of. There's a little bit of you know push your luck possibly. Like yeah, you I don't guess know what other people are going to take as actions. Yeah. And yeah. Stuff like that. And, and, and you could risk yeah. it. I might put some dice into that action, thinking that oh, I really think Jeff's going to need to explore this round. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take a different action, but I'll put some stuff into there, gambling that he's going to do that thing. So there's a little bit of that, but outside of that, I'm really just trying to uh, make the the most efficient use of the dice that I've rolled. Yeah. And and if I've done that, I mean, I can't do much more. No. No. Yeah. So I'm gonna, for me, I'm gonna say it's Tiny Epic Galaxies, just just because there's a more interaction between the players. That's I think that's what win, wins it over for me a little bit, so that's what I'm going with. I'm going to say the same thing. Yeah, I, I like I like that it that it changes throughout that that round. That it's not, um, you know, it's not the same sort of game every time. Right. Not not that I don't I I love Roll for the Galaxy, but but yeah, yeah. I like that Tiny Epic changes constantly. Yeah. For me, it's Roll for the Galaxy. Yeah. I the thing I don't like about Tiny Epic Galaxies is the time in between when you play and when you get to go again yeah there is there is more you're sitting longer and i mean there is you have to still follow what people are doing to know if you should follow Mm -hmm. what an action or stuff like that but you spend more time doing nothing than roll for the galaxy and while roll for the galaxy you want a little more interaction like tiny epic galaxies provides you're always in the game like you're just you're rolling dice you're worrying about yourself and that's for me it's better because there's no inactivity right and it also plays quicker which for this type of game i like like i mm-hmm. don't want an extended game with this type of game i want a quick you either sure. enjoy it move on and then get into something a little more beefier or you play a couple and then you know mm-hmm. end your night whatever like it's a good yeah. it's good for that purpose yeah and they say tiny tiny epic galaxies they say 30 approximately 30 minutes but that might be like per player yeah. Maybe not, maybe not, because the four player is not going to take you two hours. No, no. So no. it maybe take you an hour to hour and a half at the most. I think every player definitely adds time to it. Definitely adds time to it. But they're yeah. they're both still excellent. I mean, I'm not going to say Tiny Epic Galaxy. I wouldn't play it again because it's still a great game. It's just I think mm-hmm. the exact opposite of what you guys are saying. I like Roll for the Galaxy. <laughs> the exact <laughs> reason you guys are picking Tiny Epic. So. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Um, okay, but we have two to one. We're going with Tiny Epic Galaxies. Um, and then uh, 
now we're going to do an Imperial Assault segment. Um, not a lot, is, like we said, is, has, has been announced recently. It's been a while since we've had much news. They finally just released um, the latest skirmish, uh, like the tournament rules um, update, which when you look at it, they give you a couple little corrections or a couple little things, but they don't really tell you much. So th- really all they did was release a new map. So they've done their quarterly. Here's your next map in the ret- rotation, which is now um, the swamps of Nalhada. And they've gotten rid of the old, the, the le- oldest one now, which is um, ISB headquarters. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing. Yeah. I, oh, no, absolutely. I, I never really enjoyed that map. Like, yeah, it seems like there's always a map that is the hard, you know, but then it goes away and you're happy for a little while anyways until you hit another map um yeah looking at this one it's a really interesting map um very you know very large very long um sight lines that you have to be aware of um it's it's sort of a sniper mat uh map or whatever um so it's going to favor those ones that can get the longer ranges for sure you really have to be careful with your placement or mobile troops with oh. the, with the amount of red, a lot and of blue, blue yeah, yeah, lot terrain, of blue. yeah, very good for mobile, absolutely. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to try this one yet, and we, you know, we haven't, um, you know, haven't played it. I know the uh, the different missions. Um, there's a there's a number of terminals uh, or whatever it depends on the mission. Like one has to do with um, uh, force fields or whatever. It's like field generators. And if if you're if you have if and you get points based on controlling those generators, and if you take a shot at somebody who's who's near a generator, it um, I think it affects the range or something. Makes it harder to hit him. Makes it harder to hit him. Um, yeah. So I know one of the one of the things has to do with generators for sure. And I, I should you know I should go grab the things. I should grab the tiles so we can. To look at what the missions are okay so i'm back um <clears throat> so yeah the different nahuda swamp missions shielded is the main one there's four um crate tokens spread out the board so almost not quite a straight line down but more in the middle um they represent shield generators when an attack targeting a space within two spaces of a shield generator is declared if the attacker is not within two spaces of the same shield generator Apply minus one surge to the attack results. So it gets rid of surges. And at the end of each round, each player gains four VPs for each shield generator he controls. So it's about controlling generators for points, but you lose surges from the attack results. If If you're not also close to them when you shoot. And then the second one, uh, reigning freight setup. Each player claims two crate tokens from the supply. Oh yeah, this one was kind of weird. A friend can spend... Oh, a figure. A friend. A friend! We know somebody who's hanging around. A figure can spend two movement points while adjacent to a crate for its player to gain two victory points and claim that crate. End of each round. The player with initiative places two of his claimed crates within two spaces of his opponent's figures. Limit one crate per space, then his opponent does the same. That's weird. Why? I don't know. It's so strange. <laughs> it's like, 
I'm not sure what they're going for in that one. It's like, okay, you have these crates, you got to place them by your opponent, but then your opponent also has to do that for you. And you gain two victory points when you control crates. No, 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 if you claim them, I don't know. I guess it's a way to try and draw your enemy to a position to because it takes movement points to pick it up. True. So your average movement speed is four. Yeah. So it takes, if you place it two away from them, they move one, claim it for two, they only have one movement left. You're yeah. kind of pinning them in place if they want the two victory points. And then they're sort of doing the same to you. Now, of course, that could also give them the game because they get the points immediately. So yeah, when you get to like turn three, points. if it's like, you know, your opponent's on 36 points and can claim both, yeah. you're kind of you're screwed. Yeah. That's a really strange one. But you have, you kind of have to do it each round, it looks like. So yeah, it, it's not an option. You yeah. you have to. So, uh, it all makes the objective important in that one, at least. Which yeah. enough of the maps don't that it... And if, if, a, if a crate hasn't been claimed, what, do you just take it off the mat and then do the thing? Or, because it sounds like each round you take two... And, and put them near your opponents. Um, um, well, actually, there, there's no limit to how many crates you can. So I guess you can have. claim all four. You could claim all four. You only have to place two. True. Yeah. And if, if you're you have... able to claim all four, and so I guess they start in the same location that. No, no, they start with the players. Oh, that's right. Each so player takes each two. Each player takes it. So after the first round, then the crates come into play. You start dropping them. Right. And they'll be near your opponent. So if you can find a way to drop them in a position where you could even reclaim it quicker than your opponent, just based off of activation and threat and stuff, yeah, then you could potentially get more than two crates. Yeah, just a weird game of tag or something. It's like you're you're just trying to drop people out so you can shoot them, <laughs> and then same thing though. Your opponent's doing the same thing to you. Yeah, that one's a lot. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, we'll definitely give it some plays. We we unfortunately have not, you know, other than uh, campaign, we haven't done any skirmish lately. Uh, we had hoped to do the uh, the store championships back on on uh, July first, but even even though indications seemed like we were going to get a, a good turnout, we, we ended up with only three people, so we just couldn't do it. So now we're going to reschedule. Um, hopefully, for the beginning of September, um, we'll get those done, and you know. At that time, well, we'll definitely have to get some playthroughs of this before then. It's just going to be tight because of well, You summer. could always just set it up so that we're using the old maps, considering the store championship was supposed to be in the second quarter. Mm. Yeah. I don't uh, see the point, but you No, could. I don't either. We might as well use the new maps. At least it, then it gives people something new to, to focus on and, and may, maybe not be quite as familiar with, so it, it sort of you know jiggle, jiggles their, their thinking around a little bit. Yeah, but the what I've found with because we don't play a lot of the actual skirmish anymore. True. Yeah. If anything new gets added, it just completely throws the other players that aren't following, like keeping Quite up. Quite as often. Kinda, yeah. It really throws them. Like having Chopper in the last tournament. Yeah. He, he'd just been available finally, and there's only a couple of us who actually had him and mm -hmm. were familiar aware of with what his he rules does. and what he yeah. does. And he just, he ruined some people's days, essentially. With the, yeah. It's like all of a sudden some of their troops are getting <laughs> mauled because they've left them near a terminal and stuff like that. So 
there's an adjustment period. A map is a little easier to adjust to because, yeah, I mean, you, you still have to be comfortable with your own troops and mm -hmm. how you're going to use them, and the map shouldn't dictate how you're going to use them. But this map seems to go against their attempt to quicken playtime. Like, yeah, it's, like a, it's such a, a large more, map yeah, it's to such, it's cover large. ground. Yeah. And maybe it's just perception it's larger, but it yeah. seems like it's larger. And there's is... a lot of like difficult terrain to get through. There's a lot of points where you can skip the difficult terrain, really. Like, you don't have to go through it. You can skip over it. Um, but if you're mobile, it definitely makes a difference. And yeah, the deployment zones, you know, the one is like a small little teeny deployment zone almost. It's like a, well, it's a 4x4 four four tile plus a little bit of it, something hanging off the end of it. Whereas but the other that, one's huge. But 4x4 four four tile has a blue and a red a right, blue and in, a the red right in the middle of it. Of it. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you can start in the blue and move out of it for free, like for normal movement. And a large creature is not impacted. And a large creature is not impacted, true, yeah. Loads of places to hide and shoot from cover. Yeah, lots of corners. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays. But I, I think it definitely still favors the current pirate mm -hmm. lists because yeah. it's got the long sight lines. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, maybe the people who play rangers with their rebel troop lists have a slight advantage with the longer range yeah. over the pirates. But in my experience, pirates consistently shoot about the same distance as the rangers anyway. So Yeah. Yeah, and that one area that's all, it's that one hex that has like the ridge that you can't move through but you can shoot through. That'll make it a bit more difficult unless you have mobile players. Well, it yeah. it's a huge impact because, I mean... You have to go around it. You have you to, to go get... around it for melee. Yeah. So you could have ranged snipers there to clog up uh, that whole lane mm -hmm. of melee because they have to go the other way if they want any chance of hurting you. Yeah, you put your snipers there and then maybe people go the opposite direction and then you're just sort of meeting them on the other side. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's going to be an interesting map to try, to map to try out and see how it sort of, where it fits with the current uh, meta. Now with Anchorhead Cantina and uh, yeah, the, the other map Jabba's Palace. Yeah. The other mat I can't get. Yeah, well, yeah, we have yet to see these in stores in our location. I know they have been available in the States and various areas. But, yeah, definitely, you know, just being in Canada, you think we would have had a... Maybe, maybe the, because we're a separate country, they're doing the whole not shipping here until, like, there's lots of other places right, internationally. <laughs> I, I guess, until, well, internationally, like, uh, other people have been saying they haven't been able to get it, too, like, in the UK and and probably Australia, I haven't heard, but... That those those areas haven't seen the maps either, um, so maybe they're sort of lumping us in there with them. You know, if you're not in the states, you're on some kind of other weird distribution schedule. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, we get all the figures and, and everything else fairly quickly, but for some reason, just haven't seen the stupid maps. Maybe the maps just aren't in high enough demand. Well, that's that's a possibility too. Like yeah. it might be very limited supply that they're willing to put out now because people weren't buying the. I mean, it's. Usefulness is limited because once you're finished the tournament season with it mm -hmm. and it's rotated out, 
Well, I mean, it was still nice for us. We, you know, we showed up on on our skirmish night. When we do, when we were doing that, you know, yeah. you don't have to look through bags of you know mm-hmm. numbered tiles, and you know, you could just oh, you want to play this map and roll it out. Well, and it made of. switching between them easy as well because yeah. it's like okay, let's not play this one again. Roll it up. Yep. Bring out the next one. Bring out the next one. Yeah, you don't have to. Oh, well, I need these these eighteen pieces from this one. Yeah. To construct the next one too. But they're definitely designed with tournament play in mind. Oh, oh, they totally. only release the tournament maps. Like yeah. that is their intention is to speed mm-hmm. up tournament play with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it doesn't do them any good to not make them widely available for the mm-hmm. people who do the tournament who play. want to play the skirmish. Yeah. yeah, in tournaments. And then you see like a map like this, which is so big, it would take a while to, you know to build this thing. Like it just you get all these different mats out and or tiles out. What um yeah, what is it here? It's Looking at it, um, there's seven different tiles from from Jabba's realm or whatever. There's about 26 tile pieces in there. Yeah, and then seven, eight, Maybe more. nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nine, nineteen regular uh, core set tiles. That's including connectors though too. So there's quite a few of the little connectors in there. But you know that's nineteen core set plus seven. So Jabba's was twenty six tiles. Yeah, that's a that's a beast. I don't think any other mat right now is that that large. So it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Um, yeah, that's all, and that's all the news they've given us so far. So there's been no previews yet on any of the new stuff. So that should be coming somewhat soon because those should be coming out by September. You would think that's usually when they start releasing. Yeah, in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> end of september end of september so we should start seeing previews right away for this stuff and then um but all all, all we've been doing is you know we, we had a bit of a break when when drew was on his holiday up in alaska um so we finally got another uh another another campaign playthrough in and and the imperials won again freaking imperials <laughs> we're doing vinto's mission this time and it seemed like, you know, it's one of those ones where you see at the beginning, it's like, oh, this seems possible. And it was going well. And then everything goes and to then shit. it falls apart. <laughs> yeah. Everything goes to hell. Yeah. They're ridiculous. Yeah. If, if you don't <laughs> want to know too much it. about Vinto's mission, then, you know, you know, spoilers, you could skip it till the end. Go, you know, look at the show notes. But um, essentially with Vinto's mission, uh, what we're trying to do is there's a number of Imperial tokens on the board. I think it was six. Four. Four. Is it four Imperial tokens? Is that it? I thought yep. it was more than that for some reason. One, two... Or maybe five. Five. Yeah, five. Okay, maybe five. five. Absolutely five. I got two, Marcus. Yeah. Yeah, there's two in each. one yeah. side and then one in the middle one on the middle bridge. on yeah. the edge, yeah. So there's Imperial tokens you have to interact with to flip. Do you even flip them or just claim yeah. them? Yeah, you, yeah, you, you flip, flip them. them. Yeah. To let you know that and the rebels maybe something it. happens. And then, yeah, if you if you do all, all, all those tiles, then it, the, the, it progresses. And then there's also all these tiles... Represent your standard Rodians, um, which uh, have like two health and uh, and one defense built into them, and they, at the end of each round, they can move and attack with a blue die. So you have like I think there were six of those on the board at the beginning, maybe. Uh, yeah, I can't remember how many of those were. We four. had gotten rid there, of most there, of them. There was four of those on the t- table to start. Yeah, there's only four? one okay. left yeah. before the end. There was yeah. one left. There's one left. Yeah. But when we by by the time we lost, there was one left, and <laughs> well, and you hadn't even claimed all of the crates, yeah, because more come in afterwards, yeah, and then very depends. Sometimes when you claim some of these things, 
something the Imperial player gets to do something. Uh, yeah, it was like uh, the first one stuff happened, and then it's yeah. like every time you guys flip it, you look at me like, uh, "What's happening? What, what's what's going to happen? What's now?" Because the first one was you brought out a bad one, the Inquisitor. <laughs> oh, no, the, no, no, the first that was the Inquisitor optional. started. Yeah, he was optional. The, to the play Bantha oh. came out with that. Oh, right, right. Because right. I yeah. got like threat mm-hmm. and a deployment, and it, yeah. it's just like so Bantha <laughs> Inquisitor. We ended up facing off some weak ways and Greedo uh, and Tridotions. some pigs. Um, yeah, the pigs. Yeah, it, it's one of those maps that goes counterintuitive to how you train yourself to play as a rebel player, because you get used to do the objective, do yeah. the objective. It, it's like the imperial figures on the map you take out as a matter of convenience, or if they are important to the mission. Or about to flip someone to yeah. wounded, like, right? Yeah. But in this one, it's like to do the objective, just dug yourselves a deeper hole. And they didn't. I mean, we're we're encountering the side mission with one more story mission, and then the finale to go. So you yeah, guys, so we've, we've been pretty upgraded. We're, yeah, you have you know, a lot of upgrades. Yeah. And they start the Imperial flare off with just regular Equays and regular Gamorians. And a regular Imperial officer, so yeah, it, you're looking at it going, these guys aren't a threat. Nope, nope. So doing the objective was probably first in your mind, but then you do the objective, and all of a sudden things escalate. Yeah, and you can't continue. And they don't tell you that you need to kill the Rodians. I, when I was setting up the mission, I told you guys that the Rodians needed to die mm-hmm. because they don't tell the players, the Rebel players, that until they've retrieved all the crates the supply right. crates yeah but i'm looking at it going well why would that all of a sudden become an objective like why do you all of a sudden have to kill these guys and why wouldn't the rebel players know that from to begin the beginning with. yeah like, they, it's just an unfair advantage to the imperial player to hide that information and you even gave that to us that we well i don't you sort of mentioned that no i i said it i don't think you mm. understood because everyone else i think oh maybe knew that you had to kill the rodians okay but if you didn't, they're so easy to ignore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could have, as the Imperial Flare, stuck them in a corner that would have made them almost impossible to kill by the end of turn six. Yep. Had I, you know, wanted to do that. So it just, I don't know, it's its another one of the missions that if the Rebel Flares know going in, they can probably pull it out. But because yeah. there's a yeah. surprise element to it, it just... It always favors the Imperial player because you get to pick your troops based off of what the mission is. Mm-hmm. So you can completely tailor your deck to defeat what the Rebels can bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's been a rough um, campaign for sure. The Stabas one, I don't, and I I haven't really looked online to see if other people have been experiencing the same thing or not. Yeah, it's I've been the waiting. opposite online. Really? Okay. Everyone's been finding it too easy? Yeah, yeah. the Rebels have been what winning the, the story Oh missions. my god. Are we just really bad? And we must uh, suck. <laughs> I, I've been questioning that myself. I mean, <laughs> I, oh, wait, whether we're just that bad? Whether you're bad, <laughs> or if it's just... like Because the, the poll itself, the one I saw, yeah. it was on BGG, and it was, like, it was a very small population sample. Mm. So it's whether the people who were playing the Rebels came and... We're like, yay, we were victorious, or the Imperial people running it are coming and going, this is too hard because the Rebels are winning. Right. Because if I'm winning as the Imperial, I don't need advice, so I'm yeah. not going to report my victories, right? Right. So, I don't know. It's too small of a population to say And there's, one also, way or the there's other. a lot of factors to take into. It's like, whatever Imperial deck you're using, yeah. 
makes a big difference. Um, you have the one that lets you, or you have it's the ability, Nemesis deck. Nemesis deck, which lets you take, well, you're, you've been using it to get Greedo and you know, the Inquisitor really cheap. Inquisitor. And the Inquisitor cheaper as well, right? Well, I get or, Greedo for free now. Yeah, you get if Greedo I want. for free. And the Inquisitor, one of the cards lets you bring in one of these guys. It doesn't have to be right. a specific one. Yeah. One of them lets you bring them in for their cost minus the threat level but you spend one threat to use that card so yeah our current threat level is five which means greedo would cost one point to bring him in because he's four if you use that and you minus five it's you right. know negative one but you add one threat to use the card yeah but the other card just simply reduces the cost of the unit you want to bring in by five the cost is is that he comes in Tap. exhausted right right so he can't be used for the round you bring him in yeah there's ways around that, and that it, there's a lot of times where you can read the mission and know, I'm going to deploy somebody in the middle of a turn, so that you don't deploy him at the beginning of a turn, you deploy him in the middle or close to the end, yeah. and then it allows him to be used fully the next turn. Mm-hmm. So that there, it yeah, can yeah. be mitigated. Right. But currently, that card, because the threat level is 5, I'm bringing in the inquisitor for five point cheaper anyway well four because mm-hmm. the cost use that card why not bring greedo in for free essentially and mm-hmm. then the inquisitor can move in the same turn i deploy him right and he's too much of a threat to have inactive for his point cost so yeah it's it's a powerful deck and i mean it gives you cards that make it harder to kill the people you bring in so the inquisitor he's tough enough as he is with his white die defense yeah i can add a black die for free to his defense and i have a card that prevents them from getting conditioned so you can't stun them make them bleed like it just it's a, it seems like a really nasty it's um, a powerful deck yeah the nemesis one so that could make a big difference too like depending on what decks the imperial players are trying in nemesis did it, it come with jabba's realm or was it uh, from yes it did i okay. believe it did yeah so that one and then there's the mercenary one but the the one that you get with Jabba's Realm shouldn't be used with Jabba's Realm, the one that's for using Jabba, because oh, really? the Jabba's Realm campaign, you cannot bring Jabba as the Imperial player. Oh, yeah. So, and then that deck is used is tailored. in other ones to bring yeah, Jabba in. Yeah, it would be used to bring in Jabba to a oh, different okay. campaign. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know, decks, whatever. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have, I, I've been curious about this, and even, uh, you know, some of the other um, campaigns that we've played through. Um, I, I haven't gone back to look at any of them, but I always think to myself, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to start looking at that stuff during. I don't want to start looking for no. tips, and yeah, you know, I don't want to be that guy. But um, what a meta game! This yeah. one, I think, at the end, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and see. Like, did, did you know? If anybody thinks this is easy, like, why? What was you know? What were we doing so horribly wrong? Well, and you do have to break out it's like crazy. side missions and story missions. So when they're yeah. saying it's easy, they're saying the specific story missions for this are easy and you guys have managed to win one of those one, I believe. one, one yeah one out of the five maybe or six yeah i forget where we haven't won any there. side missions yeah none no of we won you I don't, won one i don't think we did we got no you won the forced mission oh it was the yes. forced mission we won well, we, well i thought we won something which is the one that gave us access to the different rangers like we could that was a loss well we, and we got access to those from a loss okay <laughs> that that was dictated based yeah. off of your actions 
like you could choose to do either what Jabba wanted you to do or what the rebels oh, wanted that you to one. do. Yeah, yeah. And you guys chose to do what the rebels wanted you to do, which cost you the mission but gave you an gave reward. Us access to a those, crappy reward, but a, a reward, reward nonetheless. Let's yeah. just be clear that was that was your son's choice. <laughs> Marcus wanted that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the, it ended up costing you the next mission. Mm-hmm. Because you chose to bring in allies. Yeah, we did bring in allies, and that was a you yeah. know, turned out to be a mistake on that mission. And so in this last one, we didn't bring in allies. So it didn't seem to matter. I don't know. It's hard I, to say. I, I think but allies would have helped you in this one, and I tried to encourage you guys to bring them. Yeah, but then we, you would have got more points. But I would have gotten more points. Yes, yeah. it's always hard. But I didn't have a lot of deployment groups in this one. And True. I knew there was a lot yeah. of soft targets that needed to be killed. Mm-hmm. So I figured... Bringing in an ally would have been beneficial, but at the same time, I'm not sure that sabs or troopers or the normal rangers would have really changed much. Right. It's possible. Yeah. Well, I think what we were looking at was, yes, they they would have helped us clean out um, essentially your your starting starting units. Yeah. And then they would have been gone after yeah. that. And so yeah, they would have been you know, taken up pretty quick. Lee. Without knowing what was coming down down the pipe, you know, like a bantha, yeah, you're, you're thinking like stomps on them, they're gone. <laughs> you know, is is it is just cleaning out these minor units at the beginning of the game worth giving you that threat? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the hard question to answer. And I think it was in this case because they could have dealt with a lot of small, easy targets. And mm-hmm. if I choose to try and kill them at the expense of you guys, like you lost because again I wounded everybody. Yep. Yeah. So, do I choose to ignore them and let them continue to kill, yeah. like the Rodians, a, for instance? Because yeah. you can leave them in different spots to be able to take out the Rodians. Or do I still just, you know, go after them to prevent that and let you guys run around and do your thing? Because, yeah. I mean, you guys are using, in my opinion, four of the stronger characters in the game. Vinto, with the equipment you've given him, can one-shot most things in the game. Yeah, Shyla, like, when yeah. she gets up close, and she has good and equipment she's as well. Yeah. Good movement. Uh, Mern, with her ability to force like guys to shoot my own team and then, and then stunning stun them. them. Yeah. Like you're stunning two people a turn if you don't yeah. roll horribly on your bellow. Yeah, yeah, and and there's there's and with the one stun that be like three or less cost people. So as long as you have regular troopers on the board, it's usually someone I can stun. And yeah. Fen's ability to like his mobility to get to objectives and. Yeah, like turn them. Yeah, like I think we have a good team. <laughs> you know, in, on paper they all seem to be pretty good. And they, yeah, it's just it's, I don't know. It's but just, I haven't had to spend an influence card as of yet. True. Yeah, and, you and those still. Yeah. It, it's like for the last mission, I can go just hog wild with giving my troops special equipment and stuff like that because there has not been a single mission where I've looked at it and gone. This could be a deciding factor. I'll right. put this troop out with this, and it's just to me that's a balance issue. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll see. Like I said, once it's done, I'll, I'm you know I, I think I'm going to be online looking at how other people played this one. No, and there's it, there's the possibility because none of us are looking online for advice that that's true. there's some missions that we may have played the rules slightly wrong or something like I mean, that. There might have been a misinterpretation, but it, whenever it's unclear i try to make sure that it's like okay guys i don't know Mm -hmm. what to do with this how do we want to interpret it or i give it the benefit of the doubt to the rebels because i mean 
We need it. You need it. We need it. You really need it. Yeah. I don't know. At it this is, point, I'm looking forward to the end of the campaign, win or yep. lose, just so that it's done. It's we done. Win or lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, win or lose for us, I guess. Well, because it really does come out to that last mission. Regardless of how much you've won or lost exactly. throughout the whole thing, if the Rebels can win that last mission, they win. I mean, it's cost you two experience points, I think, and maybe bringing in, like, uh, Luke as an ally mm-hmm. but were the only important things, I'd say, that you lost. That you had a chance of getting. It's the individual ones that are are really like, you you hope they can really make some difference, but then they're the hardest ones too. Well, yeah, that's why I say that you had a chance to complete. Because I don't consider Mern's side mission, there was no hope in hell. That was a... That yeah, one, I don't, I don't know what the hell they the Luke side mission. Actually, I, I think you guys played too I, conservatively with Luke. You could yeah, have won we it. Probably could have. Yeah. Done better there. I think you won that one. Had you guys charged the ATST with Luke, mm, maybe. So, but then again, it comes down to how useful is Luke mm-hmm. for this point cost. You're right. Need twelve have... points. But then with Mern, you can reduce it. Yeah, like if we had somebody look like Luke, yeah, you take her one point ability that lets her reduce unique figure costs when you recruit them when you bring them in. So then, yeah, it, I definitely would have taken that as an, uh, as one of her one of her upgrades. And I think you guys turned down the chance to get Obi Wan for someone's. That's because Vinto's mission came up at the same time, yeah, and we right. decided, well, go for Vinto's mission instead. I'm pretty sure. Oh no, we we drew a side mission oh, when we shouldn't have. As that's right, we were we were going to do it, and then I gave you guys the option to continue to keep that because we'd drawn it early, or then we redraw, decided, to decided to redraw, and then we got Vinto's mission. Yeah, that's right. Now it all comes back together. So, yeah, so we're two missions away from finishing this one. Um, so hopefully we'll get a chance to get those in somewhat soon. The next three weeks, or so. within the next few weeks, we'll get this finished off, and then. Probably just in time for them to release Heart of the Empire on us. and Then the question, <laughs> do we get into another IA we... campaign knowing the results of all the previous ones that we've done? Well, yep. yeah, we've always got to try. I don't know why that's why that's a question. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We're suckers for punishment. Yep. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, do, do, you, do you want to play or do, do you not? I mean, yeah. True. If, if this it, is what you have to do to, to play the game, then I'm going to play And well. I still well, play the game. And I it, still, yeah. it, it comes to the question of, it, are they doing enough? For the single player campaign to make it enjoyable, right? Yeah. And I think this is the last kick for me. Like, mm-hmm. if if the Heart of the Empire campaign is so unbalanced and we aren't playing skirmish, I'll stop investing in this game because mm-hmm. the the skirmish game is fading. Like, yeah, I, around here, around I here, I don't yeah. know. I know I it's still for... seems like it's still popular, though. Sometimes you see mission reports and you see like reports of like what well, we're getting, like up to six to eight people kind of thing. Yeah. And, that's not a lot of people. In larger population centers, In too. larger population than what we have, yeah. Um, so it's not a lot of people, really. So, oh. uh, you know, it's good that they're still supporting it, and I, uh, I enjoy that. Um, you know, another big deciding factor with this game is going to be the app as well. Like, if when they finally get this app out, yeah, they need to does get it, that out. what's they, it going to do? How's it going to affect things? I think there's a lot of people waiting for yeah, that to really is. commit anymore to this game. Well, and yeah. I think that's the thing that would that would save the save the game. At least for campaign, because it's not going to do anything yeah. for skirmish. No, but well, it, but the campaign, I think the biggest problem, and it's the same problem Descent faces, mm-hmm. is 
you have a person who's in control of the game, knows all the information, who's trying to win against a group of people who don't know everything. They don't have all the information. And yeah. it's like they are given limited amount of time to figure it out before they just outright lose, whether they're hurting or not. It's mm-hmm. like if you only give players six turns to complete an objective that they have to run across the board, pick it up, and run back to their extraction point, mm-hmm. like that was a yeah. mission in... Jabba's realm yeah. it, it just was ridiculous because you're mm-hmm. playing essentially a war game and you're telling the players that well don't take the time to sit there and shoot at the stuff that's a threat to you because you don't have enough time to complete the game otherwise yeah yeah and then that's the imbalance in the campaign game you go to the skirmish game and they have yet to figure out how to make the three factions work it's always one group that dominates over everyone else and there's competitive lists mm-hmm. that There's always can competitive be made, lists, but, but it's a, they're competitive because they have skilled players behind them, not because they're the best. It's people playing them because they like it more and know they can compensate with skill. Right. Yeah, true. So it's kind of, they with this next update, they, they have to bring it to a point where I feel it's balanced in both aspects to continue bothering with the game, quite honestly. Yeah. For the expense that they expect people to put out for it not to be balanced, it, it's just, it's too much. Especially when, I mean, you can get into something like X-Wing for much cheaper than this game. Oh, yeah. And True. They, they, for the most part, have their shit together for that game. Where there's balanced different lists out there that can be taken. And they consistently, even in this area, get people out. Like the store championship for X-Wing was held last weekend. Mm -hmm. And they had a full 16 people show up. Oh, did they? Yeah. And And where was that at? Was that at Mission? Mission, At Mission Funding Games. They they actually did a pre-register for that one where you had to register before you went. And they only allowed 16 people because they weren't sure if they could fit more. Yeah. And it was filled. Like it was filled quickly. Wow. Yeah, that's a... Yeah, that one definitely... Yeah, you actually said... There's a lower threshold to get into it. It's just whether or not you want... I don't know. I, I just can't put the energy into thinking of another game right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, not like this. <laughs> oh, no. no I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. get into X-Wing. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, got, a rabbit hole. it's got different mechanics that... I, I think it just... It's for a specific type of mm-hmm. player. I, it's not the type of miniature game I'm looking for, I guess. It, it's a good game. Yeah. I've played it. it it's, I, I've played it once or twice. I enjoy it. it. It's not bad. It's, it, I don't know what it is. It's something about Star Wars. I prefer to play with... The ground troops. The ground troops and the, the personnel, like, you know, the different heroes and all that. And, and all the different characters. Ships, to me... The only real ship game that I really liked... And I got into at the time was the Babylon Five miniature ship okay, game. Okay, yeah. There was a, an old. Um, it was. It was. I thought it was really well done at the time. They had you know all the different races had their own, um, arm, you know, um, ships you could get for them. You know, fighters and and warships and everything. And then they even had because they had all the major races. They had the Narn. They had the um, the Centauri Earth. Um, the Vorlons or whatever they were called, I think, the Shadows, they all had, you know, their own fleets. And then they had all the different, like, all, there's all these smaller alien races in Babylon 5 that were part of, I don't know what they were, what, what it was called. It was like the, um, it was some kind of 
almost like a you know United Nations kind of way kind of thing where you had all these smaller alien races that could also have their ships too and you know they may not have had as many ships as the other teams but all, all other factions but you could combine them in different to ways make your own force. to make your own force out of them and it was really cool I really enjoyed that and when when they came out with this new system that started with um, Wings of War I think it was called is that what the original was called I'm not sure I've only seen it played I've never yeah. played it myself but the one that X-Wing is based on I think it was Wings of War I don't know but it's the same system that X-Wing uses and the, the Star Trek one uses um, a Star Trek Attack Wing yeah and there's also the D&D version so they have this universal system they're using for ship combat I always thought ooh you know if somebody would get the license for Babylon 5 and bring it in and bring it in I would be all over that because I just loved Babylon 5 and I loved the different races you know the Narn who were sort of a combination of Klingons and uh, Ferengi they were like they were kind of like kind of Weasley little guys but they were also fierce warriors because they had been enslaved for so many years by the Centauri and you get the Centauri who are this like noble kind of race who are falling on you know their, their whole civilizations on a downward kind the of jack el- jackass elves of the yeah devil. in a way right it's really <laughs> it's really kind of a neat world that JJ um, or no what was his name um, Michael J. Michael Straczynski created and I, and I thought it was a really cool universe that he made and so I always thought, man, you know, somebody got the license for that and used it on this this whole skirmish thing because they're very, they're they're even their their big ships and their little fighters all lent themselves well to a skirmish style game. I thought, oh, that'd be awesome, but nothing's ever come of that. And I don't know what you know the licensing rights behind Babylon Five are like nowadays, if anyone's even looked at it in years because you know that's it's been so long since the show has been on that you know I think it's sort of fallen off. Which is unfortunate. I would have, I would have really liked to have seen something like until that. someone you know brings it back in mm-hmm. ten years with movie format or something. And you never know. Yeah, um, that's always a possibility. Um, something like that could happen, and I'd be I'd be all for it. But I mean, Star Wars has been popular enough that they have two versions of the skirmish game. Like they have the Armada mm-hmm. and the the X Wing and the Armada, which I don't think the Armada does nearly as well. I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, because people want to play with like the X-Wing, but the yeah. major fault I find with that game is that the X-Wing's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the the ship that the name that the game is named after and is the iconic Star Wars ship that, that the rebels know, used. Rebels used as much as they could because it was functional, cheap and, you mm-hmm. know, good. It, it people don't take it in the skirmish <laughs> game because yeah. it dies too easy. So mm-hmm. in in that kind of that format. Yeah, exactly. Oh well, yeah. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's the only reason I've continued to invest in Imperial Assault is because currently it is essentially the only miniature mm-hmm. Star Wars game out there that is. It it doesn't take a long time to play it. It used to have a little better balance and that you could take what you wanted mm-hmm. and unique figures or troop based lists and stuff. Yeah. But the the further they bring the game, the worse it gets in balance issues in my opinion because they keep introducing mechanics and then abandoning them or only half fleshing them out yeah, and not yeah. even making them worthwhile and then their tournaments aren't drawing people because they don't 
give anything that people want as rewards. Yeah, true. Like when you go to a tournament and your alternate art card is like something that was from the base game, <laughs> from like from so old or whatever, ago. like and no one and something no one uses anymore yeah. or never or even ever used sometimes, or a skirmish upgrade that no one ever brings. Yeah, as is the case with the store championship. Yeah, or well, the oh, I guess there are Ugnaught lists that use the junk droid. I guess. Yeah, true, but true. The, I mean, <laughs> who needs an alternate art version of a, the junk droid? Yeah, like, but I, I like the alternate tokens and dice but the, yeah uh, they, they need more need of that them. well no. but at the same time i mean that's not is that is that enough to get you out like probably not yeah but i mean if they're okay the, if yeah. the current tournament gave me alternate art for equi pirates so that when i go to mm-hmm. a tournament i don't need to borrow a friend's elite equi yes yeah to be able to field two elites it's like they give you the stuff to play the campaign game i understand that and it seemed early on um, they were sort of doing that because they did do alternate art to the stormtroopers. Those stormtroopers were ones you could just buy off the shelf too. Yeah, yeah. Which, but you know, for the stormtrooper list, yeah. Tuscan Raiders, which no one's used yeah. in yeah. years since Tuscan Raiders or regular Rebel troopers, which very rarely got used. Um, yeah. It's like we'll get Equay Pirates once they've introduced new units that make the Equay Pirates obsolete. Probably uh, so. Yeah. I'm not going to buy two versions of Jabba's Realm so that I have the no. ability to go to a tournament. And there's people that do. Yeah, there are people who do that, which is insane. But I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs> they have more money than sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a deterrent to spending money on the game. It's not a. It's not an encouragement. So. Yeah. I, I'm disappointed to have to say this, but I mean, Fantasy Flight needs to get their shit together for this game because it just. It deserves better love than it's been getting. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, it just yeah. They, they've been so focused now on Destiny and X-Wing still too, but now Destiny is their new love child, right? So they have this new dice game. It's collectible. It hits all the right things for people who are who get addicted to those kind of games. Mm-hmm. It's sneakily sucking all of your money away instead of yeah. outright. Here's a pack. You need it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like oh, here's a new expansion, long some bigger packs. There's, here's another 100 or $200 you have to spend for this quarter. And now it's like, okay, I'm going to buy a few booster packs and a few more booster packs and a few more. Oh, crap. I'm buying a freaking gravity feed. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> buying a freaking case of eight gravity feeds. There are people who just go insane. And it's like, oh, man, I can't afford any of that. <laughs> That's exactly why I did not get into that one thing. No. If it, if it has the word collectible anywhere in the title, I'd yeah. stay away from it at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't even that bad for... Um, um, for Dice Masters, but I, you know, I felt I was doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. No, Dice Masters was similar, but not nearly as bad. Yeah, it wasn't as bad, yeah. but it, but but that was a clear indication that I, mm-hmm. I thought, like, if I'm doing this for for Dice Masters, holy cow! Like, I'm mm-hmm. just I have to stay away from Destiny. Yeah, and I like I bought the two boosters and I got some cards and stuff, but I still haven't even tried it. And I'm, I want to try it, but I'm reluctant because I don't, don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> what it's if like, I love no. this? That's right. If I like this, it's like, no, I can't afford it. There's too many other things I well, want to buy. <laughs> and I'm sure you would like it. it is yeah, a, I'm sure I would. It's like a drafting and like you build an army based off of what you get and you roll dice and draft the dice in the game yeah. as it goes from what I understand. And I mean, we just reviewed two games that are very similar to that True. and yeah. we love them. It's yeah. just, it, it's... 
when you can't be guaranteed to get what you want and you have to buy 10 packs in the hopes that you're going to get one yeah, thing. Yeah, when you, when you well, start putting you rarities to, on yeah. things. Or you yeah. go to the secondary market and I'm, I'm buying like a single card off yeah. the internet for 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah a single card and die well, or and something. And from what I understand in Destiny, a lot of the single cards aren't really much use unless you have the dice to go with them anyway. Oh, totally. So yeah, you need to have the die. And you get yeah. like one die in a pack. You yep. might get the card you want, but not the die. And then, like, I can't remember what, the, what it is with Destiny, but it's like, you can have one or two, or you can, I think you can have up two or so many dice. You can't, you can't have, like, a huge amount of dice. So if, if you have an a ultra-rare card and it has a, and it uses a die, I think you can have maybe two of those dice ever, die, dice ever in your, in your, in your build. To recruit from, yeah. To recruit from, Yeah. And so, trying to get a second die, you know, it's like... Oh. You have to buy a lot of packs, and you don't packs. need the second card. You just need the second die. Yeah. But uh, you're going to get the second card, because you're guaranteed to get the die with that card in your pack. Right, and right. And then you don't have a use for the card, so that's who puts it online, right? Yeah, puts it mm-hmm. on the secondary market, yeah. Maybe recoup some of the thousands of dollars they sucked in getting the second ultra-rare die. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's not that bad, but... No. Well, you never know. You some never people. know. Anyways, okay, that's our, that's our ragging on Star Wars yeah. <laughs> for Fantasy Flight. <laughs> yeah, so the the ultimate uh, end goal for that is Fantasy Flight. Get your shit together. Yeah, <laughs> but the we moral want of this story. We, we want to spend money on the game. They're yeah. discouraging it through their current marketing practices that's right. and design philosophies. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have devoted a whole segment to this. No, if we didn't love the game, like the concept of the game. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah, it's like, like anything. We'll see what it's like in the summer when, or after the summer when things pick up again. Yep. Summer tends to slow down anyways. So, it, like uh, for us, and we might even not, I don't know yet if we're going to have an ep- episode in, in August um, just because of schedules. Time restraints. Time restraints and schedules because of um, the Fringe Theater um, season's coming up for me. So I'll, I'll be volunteering a lot with, uh, with the Edmonton Fringe Festival. So... Yeah, we'll see. Um, depends on what games we can get. Maybe we can get a time together to play a couple of games. We'll see, but I'm not going to guarantee for for August. So most likely you might not hear from us until September. But um, yeah, I think this is a good place to wrap things up. Um, as usual, thanks for listening. Um, you can find us in our usual places on the board on the Board Now Gaming website. Um, we're on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, and board game geek we have our guild which I'll, which we have a link to on the website uh we're now also on reddit so i i set up a, a subreddit and posted all the uh, episodes on there so that you know if you want to go on there there's a way to um do do commenting and all that through there i totally so, have to get on there and shit post shit post <laughs> yeah, that's what reddit's for <laughs> yeah so you can also find us on reddit now um so reach out to us on there if you uh if you feel so inclined where can but, you listen uh, to us I, I mentioned all that I don't think you did oh, I you know. mentioned iTunes and oh to, no, yeah, you're right I did mention you can also find us on iTunes and Google Play this is why you have the sheet of paper this is why I usually have a sheet of paper <laughs> which I stopped looking at a while ago so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, other than that thanks for listening until next time you know keep on gaming bored now no, she told me she was tired of the usual. She wants a place that she can lose control. 